Welcome to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. Our topic for this episode is feet. Dr. Jerry Grimes, a School of Medicine Associate Professor and Program Director for the Department of Orthopedics is our guest. Dr. Grimes shares with us the most common foot injuries he treats, how we can protect our feet and our ankles, whether or not smell indicates a problem, and when you should make an appointment to see a doctor. Dr. Grimes, welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do here at the Health Sciences Center? Well, I grew up in West Texas um, and took a little bit of a detour. I went and worked for NASA for eight years. And after deciding that I wanted to go into medicine, I attended the medical school in Galveston. And then I trained in orthopedics in New Mexico and decided to specialize in foot and ankle and did a one-year fellowship in Idaho where I spent all my time concentrating on learning to treat foot and ankle conditions. And since then, I've been here in Lubbock for about 16 years. Well, welcome to our podcast. Last, in our last episode, we talked about the hands and the wrists. Now we're talking about feet. What do you look for when you examine patients' feet? Well, there are two different groups of people. There are people with injuries and people with, uh, shall we say, more chronic problems with their feet. With injuries, there are usually special telltale signs like bruising in certain locations or pain when I touch people that is localizing one specific area. And those can tell us exactly what type of injury it is or make it so that we're ruling out injuries. But with chronic problems, what we look for are calluses where they shouldn't be or the foot not meeting the ground in a flat manner. If you have a foot that is tilted when people are walking, that can cause some uh, significant problems, not just in the foot or ankle, but even the hip and knee. What are some of the most common foot injuries that you treat? Well, probably the most common foot injury I treat is a fracture on the outside of the foot called a Jones fracture. And that's a very specific fracture that's caused by a particular twisting injury, almost like getting an ankle sprain, but it breaks the bone, this small bone called a fifth metatarsal in the foot. It's an interesting one because it's named after a doctor who diagnosed it himself. Dr. Jones. Are some injuries more common among certain age groups than others? Yes. For example, an Achilles tendon tear is incredibly common in men that are 35 to about 50 years of age, um, much more common than any other age group and much more common in men than women. Uh, where in the same age bracket in a woman, instead of an Achilles tendon rupture, we have something called adult onset flat foot, where the arch starts to fall because of a weakened tendon. And so certain injuries certainly are related to a particular age and even a particular gender. 
Does summertime or warmer temperatures lead to more injuries? Well, different injuries, I would say. You know, people do activities where they wear the wrong shoes. You know, it's not common in the wintertime to have someone who puts their foot under a lawnmower and, you know, injures their foot from the blade because we just don't use lawnmowers in the winter. But, you know, summertime, we have sandals and flip-flops, and that means more things like splinters and rocks causing spots where we get wounds. In the wintertime, people tend to wear better shoes, more enclosed shoes, and so these things don't happen as much. Do problems with our feet sometimes mean that there could be other health issues? There are certain conditions that result in problems in the feet. And the most common one that I see in my practice is diabetes. And so someone who has diabetes can certainly have much more significant problems with their feet than other people. And there's some characteristics, conditions, where the diabetes is causing damage to specifically the nerves that can end up resulting in some very severe problems for the foot. We see things like ulcers when people can't feel the bottom of their foot and they rub a hole or they get an infection because they can't feel the irritation. Even after severe diabetes and severe uh, nerve damage, the sweat glands stop producing oil. And so the skin gets dry and starts to crack, which gives access to bacteria to the deeper tissues. So with diabetes, you certainly have this issue. There's some other conditions, one which is also nerve-mediated, is not diabetes, but we call it Charcot-Marie-Tooth. And these individuals develop an arch that just keeps getting taller and taller. And so when we see that, then we know that that person likely has this genetic disease which runs in families. There's some other, you know, minor things that can be related. Gout, for example, can affect in multiple places in the body. Sometimes it'll show up in elbows or hands. But the most common place to see it initially is in the foot. And then uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, about a quarter of the people who develop rheumatoid arthritis, the first place that they ha will have symptoms is going to be the foot. Do stinky feet, are they a sign of poor health? Well, they may be a sign of poor hygiene. <laughs> um, but as long as the smell is just your typical, shall we say, gym sock type of smell, typically that's not related to a, a, a uh, medical condition. Now, if it is something like, once again, the diabetes that has an infection, you know, that can make some very, very bad smelling feet. And it's, it's actually the bacteria in the wounds that are making that smell. And so sometimes when people come to me, they don't even know they have a wound. They just know that they have the smell. And that's usually a loved one or someone that's living with them that wants them to come see me in that situation. What do you recommend that we do so we can prevent damaging our feet? Well, I'd like to break that down into two different groups. Okay, so for the average person with no significant medical problems, the place I see problems is when they wear inappropriate shoes. Okay, so 
we need to invest some time and money in getting the right shoes for the right activity. And so you want a shoe that's designed for the activity you're doing, and you want a shoe that is comfortable. You never want a shoe that you're going to break in, okay? The shoe should be comfortable from the very beginning. The shoe should be supportive. The shoe shouldn't rub. We shouldn't have red spots when we take the shoe off. And, you know, there are some shoes that are never going to be comfortable, but they're pretty. And we should use those in a limited fashion. The man who trained me in foot and ankle used to tell people, it's like caviar. You don't want it every day. And the same thing would be true of a lot of fashion shoes. You use them for special occasions, and then you go back into your more comfortable shoes that don't push on your foot and try to reshape your foot. One exercise I encourage patients to do if they have a shoe that's not seeming to fit right is to stand on a piece of paper and have someone trace your foot out. And then you put, look at it with, and cut that out, and you look at that on the shoe. And if that piece of paper is much bigger or wider than the shoe, then that's not a good shoe for you. Now, there are other people who have problems because of medical conditions, like the Charcot-Marie tooth or the diabetes we talked about earlier. Those people really need to be in special shoes. They need to be seen by people who specialize in fitting shoes for those conditions, and they need to be wearing the shoes that are designed to support their feet. By doing that, we can really significantly lower the number of injuries, and you can certainly see me a lot less. Now, I have a question about bunions. Can we prevent them? My mother had them, and I don't want them. <laughs> well, bunions actually come in two flavors. It's very interesting. Even in societies that don't wear shoes, somewhere around 2% of the people will have bunions. And so some bunions are thanks to grandmom. Okay? They're genetic. You're going to have them no matter what. Okay? You're just destined to have that bunion. And in fact, most of those will develop before we become adults. So when we're an adolescent, the bunion will show up. And they're actually, we treat them differently. The surgeries are different, uh, and the prognosis on them, how they will behave over time, is different. So someone who has a mild bunion when they're 16 or 17, it's probably related to their parents. And there's, it's very likely not to get worse over time. The other type of bunion we really think is because of bad shoes, shoes that are too tight and too narrow. And those shoes over time will make a bunion progress. And so someone who, say, in their 20s or 30s has a moderate bunion from shoes, not from grandma, if they continue to wear those narrow-tipped shoes, then their bunion is likely to get worse with time. And a lot of people tolerate a moderate bunion without much difficulty. It, it bothers you when you wear a nice pair of shoes, but if you wear a tennis shoe, it, it doesn't really keep you from doing things. But it can get to the point where even barefoot it can hurt. Now, how can we protect our ankles? Oh, that's a, that's a fun one. So ankle injuries are incredibly common. 
In fact, an ankle sprain is probably the most common injury to our bodies that people sustained in athletic-type activities. And the good news is we were designed for that to heal, okay? And so if we have an ankle sprain and we treat it right, then most of the time we will heal it and we will have no long-term problems from it. Where we run into trouble with our ankles is if we sustain an ankle sprain and we ignore it and we keep pushing through it and we keep re-spraining it repetitively, in which case we're going to gradually stretch that out. And if we stretch those ligaments out, the ankle actually becomes unstable. And if we leave an ankle unstable, we end up damaging the joint surface and we can be looking at a very, very extensive surgery. And I see a lot of people who come in because they have unstable ankles. And most of them, it's, it's exactly that. They sustained an ankle sprain. They just kept pushing through it. And, you know, they did it again and did it again. And eventually the ankle was loose. And if we catch it early before there's joint damage, I can fix those ligaments. But it's so much easier if we just wear an ankle brace after an injury until it's pain-free and then get back to our sport or activity. There are some people who are just loose, okay? They're the double-jointed people. They usually know who they are. They probably just need to protect their ankle by wearing a brace most of the time if they're doing any activity that puts it at high risk. They're a little more difficult to repair because their their basic tissues are really stretchy. So it's really hard to get a good, firm repair. And then there are a, a small subset of people who are a setup for an ankle sprain. They have the high arches that, or their heel will go inward instead of the normal outward uh, tilt. And those people can have ankle sprains much more common than the average person. So if you have a child or a young adult that has a lot of ankle sprains, they probably ought to be seen by an orthopedist to make sure they don't have that foot deformity that's making that more common. Now, common sense, you know, we can protect our ankles from injury by avoiding the activities that are going to give us ankle sprains, but there's no fun in that, is there? I remember back in the 80s, there were a lot of high tops, aerobic high top shoes. Do sure. those offer any protection? Actually, they do. High tops, boots that lace up above the ankle, ankle braces. It's interesting because when you do mechanical testing, they do nothing. They're just not sturdy enough. But when you put them on people, they tend to reduce the injury rates. And so what we think they do is they allow the body to better feel when the ankle is twisting because the ankle itself is inherently unstable if it was just for the bones and the ligaments we would just fall over so you have some tendons that run on either side of the ankle and i always associate it like the reins on a horse they control where the horse's head is these tendons pull on the ankle and they keep it centered under our body and so when your ankle starts to twist the tendons will pull to try to pull the ankle back straight. And the better that you're able to feel where your ankle is in space, the better your body can try to fight the injury from occurring. And we think that what happens is when you're wearing a soft ankle brace or high tops or lace-up boots that go above the ankle, instead of that really providing extra support, 
What it does is it provides more feedback to the body so it's better able to resist the twist. That's interesting. So when should we make an appointment for a physician to examine our feet? Well, I would say any time that you're having pain or other symptoms in your foot or ankle that are keeping you from doing things that you would normally do. And especially if there's some sort of deformity where you're starting to rub calluses where they don't belong, or you find that over time your foot is shifting its position, okay? So if you used to have an arch and the arch is starting to get flatter, or you notice that your toes are no longer pointing straight, but they're kind of off to one side, those are things that probably you should see somebody about. Injuries are a little bit more difficult because it's maybe very hard for someone who doesn't spend a lot of time with feet and ankle to know whether it's a serious injury or not. Many times people with an Achilles tendon rupture will think they had an ankle sprain and they won't seek care for three, four weeks, at which time it makes it more difficult to treat the Achilles tendon rupture at that point. It's easier early on. But most people with ankle sprains self-treat. We, we figure that less than half the people with an ankle sprain ever see a physician about it. And so it's hard to say, you know, if you see this injury, you must see a doctor. But I would say anyone who sustains an injury to their foot or ankle and they're not able to bear weight on it should see a physician. Well, thank you very much for coming on our podcast, and we look forward to having you again sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss our next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by T.R. Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield. 